0: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan Capehart. This week we're talking to former chairman of the Republican Party, Michael Steele. And we get into everything. Trump, the future of the GOP, his party's problem with race, and that time he said
1: this to his staff. We're like, oh hell no, uh-uh, not in this instance, no, nah. I'm blowing <laughs> this shit up. Buckle your seatbelts because it's about to get real.
0: Welcome to the very first episode of k Up. I'm Jonathan Part of The Washington Post, and we begin with Michael Steele, former lieutenant governor of Maryland and former chairman of the Republican National Committee. Yo, Thanks for coming in. It's good to be here. Are you sure? Yeah, I am. I got to ask you, sure. as a national brand with an eye towards the long term, has the Republican Party made a mistake by nominating Donald Trump?
1: No, I don't think so. And, and you I don't no, think so? No, no, I don't think so, because this is all part of the plan. This is all part of the process. It has to happen. And I've been saying for years. Wait, 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 wait. It has to happen. This What's has, the it? This, this has to happen. This, this, this confrontation with ourselves, this realization within the Republican party, within the party this realization that in large measure, we laid down the metrics and the pathway for Donald Trump to emerge and to arise the way he did. Go back and look at this campaign from its very inception. Uh, Donald Trump coming down that stairway at what percentage support within the uh, nationally 1%, what percentage support within the party virtually none um, and how he systematically and methodically worked his way through. He understood the GOP better than the GOP understood itself. He also had 16 people on the. Doesn't on matter. the stage he could have he could have had one other person on that stage against him and I submit to you Donald Trump would have kicked his butt and the reason is that's what the base wanted. This was a base primary, a base election. They made it very clear from the outset, for the first time in, what, three, four presidential cycles, we got this. This is going to happen the way we want it to happen. No more, oh, put up your guy and we'll fall in line. Give us a Mitt Romney and, and okay, we'll we'll do because you we trust you. That trust is gone, and he represented that lack of trust in the system as a mm-hmm. whole. So right now, this confrontation within the party is is something that is long overdue, um, and I, th- I think it's going to work its way through whatever system it will work its way through, um, and we'll see what comes out on the other end. Well, what everyone's saying is going to come out on
0: the other end is a Donald Trump Getting blown out by getting blown
1: out by Hillary Clinton, and
0: you know I'll take
1: on- I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet, and, and and I will I will see you on the Wednesday after that election uh, to collect my my uh, winnings. Uh, simply <laughs> Wait, so because you think
0: he's going to win. I
1: think Donald Trump. I've said it before, and I will say it again. I had it again affirmed um, yesterday evening by some pretty smart people that um, uh, you know I watch and listen. This, listen to, this is a 50-50 race until it isn't. And the only way it it will change is when the voters decide. Okay, we're now ready to make a decision. So uh, all, of saying, all of this that you're all this that you're saying, nobody re- likes
0: to hear the truth. What it requires for for what you're saying to be true, it requires two things to happen. Okay, African American voters to stay home and Latino <sighs> voters to not even show way up. Way
1: too much emphasis on Black and Hispanic. Voting. Why not? Way that, too much emphasis. Well,
0: well, wait a minute. The the the, the white electorate, the share. Of the electorate that are white voters is shrinking. Okay, but Jonathan,
1: and, okay, Jonathan, I'll give you that. Then tell me how Donald Trump is kicking her behind in key states right now. Well, we're not talking. We're talking. No, 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 no. Don't 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 no, no, no. No. answer the question about right now. Don't talk about what we're talking about. Well, no, maybe, well Right maybe, well, now, well, what what is that saying? You, you. A lot of folks make the presumption that black, brown, yellow, green, orange, purple people are going to just run away from Donald Trump. And I will submit to you that maybe a large percentage of them will. But I've been in a barbershop recently, mm-hmm. in which that conversation, if you recorded that conversation, you'd be sweating bullets right now. Because there are a whole lot of folks out there who have a very decidedly different view of Donald Trump. But in that than way, what way, but, you write about and talk well, I want about. You to and get what speci-
0: I want you to get specifics. All and right. those folks you're talking about are black folks yes. in the barbershop.
1: Yes, and so are they, they vote.
0: Oh, well, I know they vote. They're hewing to Donald Trump's economic message, yeah. very much saying, yeah. "I'm going to bring there's jobs." There's a connection. They, they believe. They him.
1: believe. They believe that because uh, because we acknowledge the the tension that exists in the black community with Hispanics over jobs, we know that we acknowledge the the tension that exists in our community over a host of social and economic ills that we face, law and order issues, etc. And, in a, and in, a, in a sense, a lot of these voters, look, and again, I'm not saying that if you, if you line up 10 black folks, eight of them are saying, I'm with Donald Trump. I'm saying that number maybe three. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that number may be four on a so, good day. Uh,
0: so the 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 racism, the xenophobia, the misogyny, the the, the
1: everything that's else that you comes call it. that comes with that's Donald what you Trump. Call it. They that, don't that, see that's it a, that way. They just don't see it. Black, black, that way. The black
0: they, voter, black folks at your barbershop don't see it. that they, way.
1: they they acknowledge some of that for what it may be, but it doesn't it doesn't resonate. It's not dispositive as a negative. In other words, hmm. yeah. So what? How many white folks do we know have said stupid stuff about about black people, and yet we vote for them every year? Well, all right. Dag, when you put it like that, <laughs> I have no comeback. OK. I mean, I, have, I remember. Right. I mean, I can check off a whole list just from Joe Biden alone. All right. So so the, so the fact of the matter is black folks aren't stupid. They're not monolithic and they're thinking about this right. election. So the, to presume that because certain black people don't like Donald Trump is dangerous to say that all black people won't like Donald Trump. But you have to admit your party, the Republican Party, has a problem with race. It just does. It, it doesn't have a pro. It has a problem with how to address race. It doesn't have a problem with race per se. It's not like, it's not like, like, oh, we hate black people. That's that's just not the case. I mean, you're going to find elements in both parties where that may be true. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that. Oh, my party is so clean and yours is so bad, or your party is so good and mine is so bad. What I'm trying to say is, can we at least be honest enough to acknowledge that? that that element exists on both sides. Well, sure, but having said that, in terms of my party, which I'll speak to specifically, having run it and know firsthand, yeah, there's racism. I absolutely, I encountered it as chairman. The underside of that issue is how uncomfortable still, largely because folks don't know what to do, how to speak, what to say about black America today. And so it comes off awkward. It sometimes sounds racist. It comes off Uh, less serious um, because of the inability to really acknowledge it and understand what it means. Case in point, when I got elected chairman, I had a member come up to me almost immediately after my election as chairman and say- That was 2009, 2009. This is so exciting. Thank you very much. Now black folks will join the party. And my response was, Really? You think I'm a Pied Piper just because you elected <laughs> a black man chairman? Black folks going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, oh, my God, they elected a black man. Let's join the GOP. That, that, that sort of thin understanding of what it takes to actually engage the black vote has been probably the Achilles heel of the modern-day Republican Party.
0: What was that thing you just said, that thin layer that of thin, understanding? That,
1: that, that thin understanding. Thin understanding. Yeah. So that- of what it takes to engage the black
0: vote. When the black vote hears, quote, Black Lives
1: Matter is inherently racist. I know. I know.
0: Is Black Lives Matter
1: inherently racist? No, it is not. It is not. Can we just set the record straight? And people need to understand that Black Lives Matter is not about no lives mattering other than black folks. It's not about... My, our lives matter more than your lives. It is about, please, God, for the first time in recent history, could you acknowledge that there's some crap going on in our community that needs to be dealt with? We are tired. We're frustrated. We're, we're concerned. And now we it has always amazed me that when black folks engage civically, somehow that's criminally wrong. Somehow that's bad. Somehow that's unfortunate. Somehow that's racist in reverse, and yet, when white kids go out and they engage civically, that's oh, not, that's great. They're they're doing their civic duty. They're engaging on an issue. Well, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Whether they're going to protest the environment in in you know with twenty something white year, you know white kids, or they want to talk about the facts that young black men are being shot on a daily basis in the streets in their community for black for, for black community activists. What's the difference? There is no difference civic engagement is civic engagement so when i hear members of my party and your nominee and my nom- well members of my party and my nominee talk about black lives matter the way they do it goes back to the point i just made a thin understanding of what's important to black people what's important to my community uh and so as i told people when i was chairman look i'm a republican but i'm black first when i get up in the morning uh, and, and, I, and I look in that mirror, I don't see, oh, GOP, I see a black man's got to walk out the door and deal with all the crap that society's going to heap his way. I can use the political process and the party and all that as a means to deal with some of that. I can use my faith tradition as a Catholic, et cetera, to deal with that. But the underlying root essence of who I am every day as a black man is a black man. So that that reality doesn't change and so guys like me inside the party our struggle is to educate and inform and hopefully enlighten people to what that means. JC Watson and I have this conversation all the time to former the point, congressman former from congressman Oklahoma, from right? Oklahoma, right? Uh, from Oklahoma about how how tone deaf and and tenured the party can be when it comes to these things because they have the, in their head a visual of how this plays out without the reality of what really is playing out, and that's when you come to something like Black Lives Matter. Uh, You have these statements about it being inherently racist. It is not inherently racist to say that right now in my community, our lives matter. Would you please just acknowledge that? So you speak about all of this with such patience.
0: then it makes me wonder: Do you have the patience for all of this, for all of the nonsense and crap you you have to put up with now, and you had to put up with? Is it because you once studied for the priesthood? Yeah.
1: Basically, is that uh, it? it uh, and
0: you left the solitude and solace <laughs> of, a, of a monastery of a monastery to get into this mosh pit. Yeah,
1: call me crazy. Yeah. Why? Because I think this is where God wanted me to be. I, I believe. I believe that that first part of my life where I experienced that sort of desert experience um, of of discovery, discernment. Was important to do what I do now. I used to tell my staff at the RNC, who oh, would really tick me off, because they just didn't get it some days. Yeah, a lot I, they didn't. Get. And I would sit there and I go. After I remember one meeting where I just went off. I just everybody was called something except a child of God, <laughs> and. At the end of it, I looked at everybody in the room and I said, "And you're the luckiest SOBs on the planet." And every was a quizzical look I said, because if I hadn't spent three years in a monastery, this conversation would have gone much worse <laughs> 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 so <laughs>
0: w- were people sitting agape <laughs> yeah, they were gasp- uh, gasping you know
1: and, and, and this was the interesting lesson from that, and it just it goes back to a point you were making earlier about the party and how they perceive black people and everything. the whole afterward i had someone come up to me talking about well you know you you know chairman you have to be careful about not you know coming off as the angry black man and the only thing i could say was get the <laughs> 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 and it just it just grates on me it mm-hmm. it just grates on me but I, I i do i i i've had enough job experiences in my life you know uh the story of job mm-hmm. from the bible mm-hmm. um that uh Patience comes. Um, it is it is a grace that God gives us. And we either accept it and roll with it, or we're like, oh, hell no, uh uh-uh. uh, not in this instance. No, nah, I'm blowing <laughs> this shit up. Um, or, or, like I said, you accept it. And I, I tend to accept it. The other part of it for me, Jonathan, and I get the question a lot why are you still a Republican? Come on over. You're really a Democrat. And I tell people two things. One, the party has gone so far. Uh, away from what it used to be, its core, I think, one of its core values about people and society and community, that when I talk, people think I'm, I sound like a Democrat. I'm like, no, this is how conservatives used to sound. This is how Republicans used to talk about jobs and the economy mm-hmm. and, and infrastructure development, I, since we had a finger in creating a lot of those things. The second thing is, instead of walking away, I mean, which I could, I could just walk away, get up, take my toys and go someplace else. Why
0: are you still a member of the Republican Party? And
1: I could, you know, do that, shake my, you know, the dust of the party from my feet and go outside and yell and scream at it, call it racist, do all these things. It's not going to have any effect. Or I could really just continue to piss people off and stay inside and stay involved and push from inside. You never considered leaving. Oh, I ain't saying I never considered leaving. <laughs> oh, no, no. There, were, there, there was one point as chairman, I called my uh, communications director and chief of staff in the office to say, call a press conference. I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm stepping down from this, and I'm going to blow this shit up on my way out the door.
0: What, what, what was the triggering moment?
1: Oh, what wasn't the triggering moment? You know what I was under when I was chairman. I mean, everything I did was criticized. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, you just kind of go, you know... They're not ready. They're not ready for what I'm saying. They're not ready for what I'm trying to do. They're not ready for the idea that um, you can be a conservative and be normal (laughs) and be, you know, someone that people don't want to vilify or hate or look at it racist or look at it in an ugly way, ugly way. Um, and I just had enough of it, but you know, I, I sort of I went to that space. I remembered my my training. Uh, I remember my calling, and <laughs> I went, okay. I think we'll just we'll wait till tomorrow and go from there. One of the most fascinating things we do
0: television together all the time. Ah, uh, we do. I love it. So, but the, this thing I'm going to talk about was something that didn't involve me. I was watching at home mm-hmm. on Morning Joe. Uh, Mika and Joe had Jordan Roth mm-hmm. on to come on and talk about Broadway. He's from the the big Broadway sure. Roth Roth family, and and Jordan is he's openly gay, married. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his husband have a have a child, uh, and he is Broadway. Sure. He is flamboyant and exuberant right. and enthusiastic. And I'm watching at home, and I'm sitting there. I'm wondering how is this going to work with Michael Steele on the panel? Mr. Republican, the black man, how is this going to work with right. this very exuberant gay man in the morning talking about <laughs> Broadway? And as I watched, I, and it became clear around the table, folks were like, wait, what's going on between Steele and Roth? All right? Something's <laughs> happening here. Steele is keeping up with Roth. Like, they are talking to each other in this way. And finally, so I think it was Mika asked, like, what the hell is going on here? Right. And you said, "Oh, I did musical theater in college."
1: Yeah, yeah. What? I,
0: mean, <laughs> I was <just> like,
1: "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, brother, and I just identify. You know, it's just <laughs> let's talk shop, baby. Let's uh-huh. go. I, I get you. Come on, let's go. I'm a huge Broadway nut. I love, I love musical theater because I think it, it is as, as much as drama is an expression, a full expression of our culture, our society, and the tensions and the pains and the you know the struggles that go on musical theater is that other side mm-hmm. that side that goes you know come on get happy you know you know dance all your cares away you know that kind of feel that yeah shit sucks but guess what we're gonna sing our way out of this problem we're gonna dance our way to a new solution and I think that sense of optimism is something I've always identified with musical theater, and I just love it. You know, um, I never, you know, never forget uh, the shows I, I go. Uh, have you, you seen know. Hamilton? I have not. Can't get yeah. tickets. So if anybody <laughs> out there knows a brother <laughs> who knows a brother who can help a brother, call.
0: <laughs> it's actually not surprising that you're in politics, given your your trajectory. Yeah. Musical theater, politics is all theater. It is. The priesthood politics is also all about patience. Well,
1: it's about patience, but it's also, I mean, you can't learn politics anywhere better than the Catholic Church. We've had 2,000 years of history of that. So it's, yeah, I I learn from the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Michael Steele, former chairman of the Republican
0: National Committee Thank you very much oh, for being man, here Oh man, it's a
1: blast I look forward to coming back Yes, a- absolutely Because this Steel more, or Stealing K. even covered I know,
0: but. I know You can see all these papers here You can listen to Michael on SiriusXM POTUS, channel 124 The name of the show is Steele and Unger And you can follow him on Twitter, at Michael Steele That's Steele with an E at the end
1: S-T-E-E-L-E That's right, Ben.
0: I'm your host, Jonathan Capehart. You can follow me on Twitter, at CapehartJ. Thanks for listening.